friend of the podcast, we are so glad you are joining the Teacher Exodus. We are here with our good friend and co-host Dan Lehman. Today, we will be talking about resumes. Now, I get the question all the time, uh, will you look at my resume? And I give them my best advice, but the truth is, is like, I'm not a hiring person. You know, I just give them my feeling but we do have a hiring person here today. Dan Lehman does hire people based off resumes. So Dan, let me ask you, how do they actually come across your desk? Are they resumes that come across your desk? Or does HR pick 10 people and then give you the 10 to pick from? Or how does that work? So if you think about it, like any other kind of software that's out there, uh, you've got to log in. And so I log in and I can see the jobs that I'm hiring for. And when I click into one of those jobs to open it up, then I'm presented with a series of candidates. Uh, so I can really only speak for what we do at Solvi, but we keep it pretty simple. You upload your resume. I think we do ask for a cover letter, which again, that can be hit or miss in terms of the importance or whether or not people uh, request those. But once you're in the system, it does a little bit of information to, to aggregate things together like It'll pull up your LinkedIn profile, so it makes it really easy to be able to find that, which is another good point. You know, teachers, make sure that you're building out your presence on LinkedIn, because that's definitely something that most managers are going to take a look at. Um, but then you're just kind of in the mix at this point. So if it hasn't been pre-vetted by uh, HR, then you're essentially doing the work to say, okay, now I need to kind of come in here and do a first pass of the candidates that I'm going to look at. And what that means is, you know, in in this perfect world, of course, you'd want to say that everybody has a, a fair and equal shot of getting to the to the next round, but you have to think about it from the perspective of the company and of the hiring manager. Hiring for this job is one small piece of what they do. And so if it's easy to toss someone out to narrow this down to a list of 10 people or five people that seem like good fits, that's what's going to happen. You know, most people aren't going to get to the point where you're actually on a phone call uh, being screened by HR, which is kind of that next step that typically happens. So a lot of teachers, they send me their resumes. I look at them and they have four different teaching experiences on there. Mm -hmm. I remember when I applied, I just had one teaching experience, even though I've taught for 10 years. And then I tried to find something that would be relevant, that might give me an edge, that might be somewhat similar to what a BDR does. Mm -hmm. So what I put on there was a podcast. I run two podcasts. And that actually, as it played out in the interview, was a much bigger thing than me being a teacher. So when I recommend that teachers need to be creative in how they find experience to put on a resume, mm -hmm. somebody said something today. They said, uh, so are you saying that we should put hobbies on a resume? And I was like, okay, I'm going to let Dan hand, handle this one because I, I can't. I just can't right now. <laughs> well, uh, Adam, I, I think you know what I'm or how I'm going to answer this because I think I helped coach you in, in building out your resume a little bit. So I, I tend to be a little bit biased, but here's the thing. I, I think a lot, if not most teachers are under the false impression 
that, and this is, this is probably going to sound almost rude, but you're under the false impression that people care about your length and variety of teaching positions in your career. They don't care. And that is really tough to hear because you might have been teaching for 15 years and you taught at four different schools and you had these different positions. And the thing is, is that as teachers, we're so ingrained that that's how we tell the snapshot of our life story in our career. Now, there are going to be key things in your teaching history that you could bring up that might be important for the new job you're applying for. And those are the pieces that you need to focus on. So, you know, um, Adam, you talked a little bit about your case. When I was first applying for an account management job at an ed tech company, they really wanted someone who was in the trenches that was focused on teaching the technology side of it. Well, I'm a band teacher, right? So if, if I had written up my resume that focused all on my illustrious background of teaching private lessons and being selected for such and such scholarship. Oh, oh man, don't even get me started. <laughs> People who talk about all about their, you know, undergrad background and being president of whatever music association or whatever, it's just, it's not relevant most of the time. Now it could be in certain key aspects of it. So it could be a hobby that is relevant. So Adam, in your case, the reason that your hobby of podcasting was relevant was not even so much the podcasting piece. Yeah, that was how you could have kind of a fun hook that people could talk about. But what really got you started on that was because in order to podcast and you're bringing in guests all of the time to speak on your podcast is the fact that you're out there cold emailing and cold calling people to get them on your podcast. Well, for those of you who aren't as familiar with being a sales development rep like Adam is, that is fundamental to doing that job. And so by Adam focusing on his story of being a podcaster and finding the right people for his podcasts, that's what made such a huge connection. If Adam had focused on being a choir teacher and all the awards and conferences and events and stuff that he did as a choir teacher, that wouldn't resonate at all. And so, you know, teacher or not, anybody who's applying for a job, this is not a story about you. Your resume is not about you. Your resume is about, can they envision how you'll be able to provide value for that role in their company? They're focused on them. When I hire someone, I'm thinking about, will they be a good fit at Solvi? In my case, you know, selling software or, or implementing software. I want to know what makes you a great teacher, what makes you stand apart, but you should be able to handle that in a handful of bullet points rather than here's every single position I had while I was teaching. So when you get a resume or when you look at a resume, mm -hmm. what are the first things you look at? I'm really focused on their experience and the experience in terms of how it's relevant to what we're asking you to do. Because again, 
it's not so much about the role, it's about what did you accomplish and how are you positioning that that makes me look favorably upon that. I don't, I honestly ignore most of the time when people put a million skills that they list and it's like bullet points and like everybody and their dog lists like HTML and CSS because they took a Udemy course once. Now, again, if you're applying it for a job to be a web developer, that's great. That's, that's awesome. That's something you would want to know. But I feel like most teaching resumes that I see, again, have 10 million positions that they had, which doesn't tie to what I want them to be focused on. And then they're really focused on the skills. The, the other thing is I'd put that experience front and center as opposed to I see resumes where they're putting their their own education experience. I, I don't mean teaching experience, but I mean like here's my undergrad and my master's degree and they put that first. In tech, no one cares about your degree. I work with people who went to Stanford and you know graduated in computer science. I work with people who have no undergrad degree at all. You had a really good post um, on our Facebook group where you talked about you know what to talk about as you are interviewing. You know, should you talk negative about your teaching experience and whatnot? Mm -hmm. um, personally, I think you have to, and I'm curious to where you stand on this, Dan. I I think you have to focus on the opportunities ahead of you. And unfortunately, you can't, uh, you shouldn't, in my opinion, overtly say salary because, yes, teachers, you're going to make substantially more in tech than you ever did teaching, but mm -hmm. they don't want to hear that. Um, you should talk about the opportunities and doing something new. And in my case, when I applied, I said, Dan saw something in me. And so I'm kind of going with Dan. <laughs> and so I think they were kind of like, well, then I guess we'll go with Dan too. But, uh, and it worked because of course you have a fantastic reputation. What is your opinion of that? So there were a couple pieces in there. One was in terms of talking about uh, the negative experience. Yeah, I, I'm in full agreement. Again, it just, if you focus on talking about negative things, you come across as a negative person. Like if we get a half hour to talk and you're focused all on why teaching is terrible and teachers aren't respected, like I, I get that, but I also really don't want to hear this in our one half hour that we have together. But in terms of the opportunity, there's so many ways to sell this. And again, this comes down to, I mean, it's, it's your personality. It's, why are you passionate about this thing? Um, in, in my career in solutions consulting, which we talked about in another podcast, you know, I get to problem solve with some of the smartest people day in and day out. And I love that. And anytime I talk about this, you can tell like my voice gets higher and I get really excited and passionate. Like you can hear that in my voice. If you sound excited about what that thing is, that's going to be so different than many of the corporate drones that have been doing the same thing in tech for 12 years where, you know, it's like, well, yeah, it's, it's the next opportunity. And I think the tech stack is really awesome. And, you know, like 
that doesn't sell it either. You have an opportunity to say, here is why I'm looking at this opportunity with fresh eyes and what makes me the best fit for this. And the more confidence that you can instill makes them feel more confident in saying, yeah, you know, it might not be exactly what I had in mind when I thought about this, but I see that potential. And I think there are more and more managers out there that are hiring for that potential, for that passion, for that drive, than they are about like the hard skill sets and saying, well, yeah, we want someone who's done that for 10 years. So personally, when it comes to two-page resumes, I say don't because I'm like, they're not going to read all of it. They're going to spend seven seconds glancing at your resume and then they're going to go on. So I have two questions for you. Mm -hmm. One, how do you feel about two-page resumes? And two, how many seconds do you spend on each resume? Yeah, I think two-page resumes are fine when you have the experience to back up a two-page resume. And this goes back to the fact that teachers, you don't have the experience to have a two-page resume. And again, that might sound offensive to some of you who have taught for a long time, but I don't want to know every last thing in, in education. You're starting fresh. So you need to be able to consolidate down the value of your experiences in a more compressed format. So I can't think of a single reason why a teacher who's moving into a new career would need a two-page resume. Now, once you're you know, into your tech job and now you're applying to the next one and the one after that, and I should say tech moves very quickly, you know, it's oftentimes two years and, and you're moving on to your next position, uh, you know, then I'm okay with two two page resumes, but teachers should really be focused on a one page resume. And then Adam, remind me the second question again. Second question was how many seconds, Dan Lehman, do you spend looking at a resume? Yeah, in terms of the resume itself, I probably spend 30 seconds reading a resume. That's a long time compared to what people have said on LinkedIn. Yeah. And it totally depends on, again, if I know that you're in the trash pile and I can see that within five seconds, it'll take me five seconds. But on the other hand, if I can see that there's some potential, then I'm popping open your LinkedIn and I'm looking at your LinkedIn and I'm maybe seeing who you're connected with, or if there's any other piece of information I can gather about you. Or maybe I thought, ah, the resume was intriguing. Now maybe I'll actually read the cover letter that I well, don't tell other people at my company, but I don't really read the cover letter too often uh, unless it's something that <laughs> watch me get in trouble now. Thanks, Adam. Uh, unless it's something that really sets people apart. So if I can see that there's something intriguing, then I will spend more time on it. So it's more, it's, it's not like I set a timer 30 seconds and go. It's if I can tell that it's not a good fit, and that it's not the right potential that I'm looking for, it can be five seconds. If you're worth exploring, I might take a half hour, depending on what I can find. Dan, every teacher that's listening to this, as soon as you said trash pile, the question that came up in their head was, Dan, how do I not end up in the trash pile? The number one thing is actually take time to tailor your resume for the job you're applying for. Some people can get away where maybe you just write a resume tailored to a category of jobs. Like, you know, this kind of role that you're applying for. And so you don't tailor it. 
but it really comes across when you can really hone in on if I've taken the time to write this job description and now your resume is tailored to meet the needs of the job description that I wrote, that's huge. If you're just blasting away resumes that have your teaching experience and not much else, why would I spend more, more than five seconds on that? And, and I want to. I mean, you know how it is, Adam. Like I have hired and gotten many teachers hired in various positions throughout the year. So it's nothing about, you know, how a hiring manager feels positively or negatively towards teachers as a category. It's that there are some people who are great at making a connection that they will be a valuable asset to the company. And that's what I care about. If you can't show me why you'd be valuable to even waste my time looking at it, that shows me you really don't care about working at this company. How much should somebody research the company that they are applying at? Um, often, if you apply on LinkedIn, you're seeing a list of companies. If you click Easy Apply, heck, you don't even need to look into the company about what they sell. How much research do you suggest these teachers do to get into a company? Oh, Adam, I think this is so essential. Like tools have made it easier and easier to send out a bunch of applications at once. But for my first job out of teaching, I created a video of myself that I spent all weekend creating specifically for this one company in mind. And they had hundreds of applicants that they went through. And I was the only one who did something like that, that had a video introducing myself and my background and why I'd be a good fit for the company. And this is why I go back to, it's not about the resume, it's about the research. It's about forming human connections. It's all of these other pieces. I really don't care how great a piece of paper is. I, I was on a Facebook group today and I keep seeing people who are like, I subscribed to Canva Pro for a year and I made a really pretty resume. No one cares about how pretty your resume is. That doesn't even register on my list of things I'm interested in. If you researched everything about Solvi and you said, Dan, here's the value proposition that I see for you when you're out talking to your customers and you start sounding like you already have the role, that's huge. I honestly think that people could spend a bunch of time researching and forming connections and doing just those two things. And maybe they spend five hours on each company, but let's say they do that for three companies and they get hired. Oh my goodness, what a success story. As opposed to, I'm just going to polish up my resume and send it out and get rejected. It's the people who think outside of the box that are actually going to get hired.